Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let all heaven, let all of us and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about that name. And that name is Jesus. And we say, Amen. Morning, everyone. Morning. morning. I couldn't help but this morning when they're sitting in the Bible study class, I just go, what do we call it? Um, how something that was said on that uh, DVD that we were watching is part of this message today. And also, uh, this message today, I think Martin and Shirley need to take extra notes. Because this, uh, this message is for all of us. But um, it's often, t- uh, it, this particular passage is often preached on um, how Jesus will be there for you to calm your storms and life storms come and he'll take care of the storms and all that. Uh, but there's there's something that when I was studying it this week that really jumped out at me that was not only that, but when the disciples realized who was in the boat with them, they're, they're, they turned and at that moment you can just see them saying, who is this man? The Lord Jesus Christ. They, they, they had this... Uh, coming of, uh, of enlightenment, if you will, that we're, we're in a boat with someone big. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. Let's pray and we'll take a look at the text. Lord Jesus, we're about to look at your words. I ask you to give us all ears to hear, give us, give us eyes to see, Lord, that you are who you said you were. And when trouble in life comes along, Lord, that we know that you're with us. You're in that boat with us, Lord. You're you're helping guide us, Lord, through the the storms of life. So be with us now as we look at your text. It's in your precious name I pray. Amen. As a background picture to this, over the last five or six weeks, uh, we've been looking at Mark. And we went through the, the, the time when he went up on top of the mountain came back down the next morning and selected his 12 disciples. The very next day, after the 12 were chosen, then he does all these parables. His family comes and says he's crazy. The the hierarchy in the Jewish church calls him uh, Beelzebub. He casts out demons in in the devil's name is what they were saying. On the same day, he he taught the parable of the sower of the soils. He gave the explanation all in the same day. He gave the parable of the seeds all in the same day. He gave the parable of the mustard seed all in the same day. And now this is the same day we're going to look at this text. And I was, as I was studying this week, uh, Sunday afternoon is like golden time for me. There's, my week is, is, is not any harder than anybody else that's working, but the situation that we're in where I live in L.A. and she lives in Yucca Valley and I come home on Friday evening and do what I can Saturday and here Sunday. And Sunday afternoon, boy, the phone goes on mute and nobody bugs me football game at a time. That's only after one work week and one message. All this that Jesus did was in one day. (coughs) At the end of this day, verse 35 says, On that day, when evening came, he said to them, Let's get over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind. And the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. 
Jesus himself was at the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him, they said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? <coughs> and he, Jesus, got up, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the, the sea, Hush, be still. I'm going to come back circle around on that. That's not the way he said it, but that's the way it's written there. Hush, be still. <coughs> and the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm, and he said to them, Why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? And they became very much afraid and said to one another, the key verse in this text, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this man in the boat that just preached three or four different parables today? Who is this man in the boat that's, that was chased out of the town by the, the hierarchy of the Jewish people? Who is this man that was chased to the sea? And when he got to the sea, he didn't jump in and swim away. He got in a boat so that he could talk more to them. Who is this man? That's the same thing we have to ask, whether you're a believer today or not a believer today. You have to answer that same question. Who is this man? This man, Christ Jesus. Who do you say he is? Is he a carpenter? Is he a good speaker? Is he a very... A strong man that can preach messages all day long, heal the sick, feed the poor and the hungry, and, the, and care for the downcast people? Or is he Lord Jesus Christ? Is he who he said he is? And I, our job, Martin and I, our, our goal in ministry is not to get the accolades. We love the accolades. I mean, the, the, recognizing that you guys care and love for us is powerful in our lives. But we don't do it for that. And I don't want to speak for you, but I can speak for you because I, I, I've lived next to this man. We do this for that very reason that we can say that we told you who is this man, Jesus Christ, and you know who he is. That's 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 where I get my joy. This, I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but you saying that your spiritual life is improved by listening to Mark and I. We don't take accolades for, for being such great teachers. We take joy in that, <coughs> that Christ is magnified in your lives, that you see him in a different way than you may have a year or two or five years ago. That's, that's, that's our joy in ministry. There's a few things I want to pull out of this before we get into the text. Key to this, verse 41. They became very much afraid, and they said to one another, Who is then this man? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Who was saying that? That was his disciples. And who were they? They came out of the Jewish community of the day. They knew the Old Testament. They understood the, the teachings from the Torah. They, they knew these things that were happening <coughs> were something else. They knew that Yahweh, the Old Testament, is able to direct the winds. And that's what Jesus did. He directed the winds. Psalm 89.9 You rule the swelling of the sea. And when the waves arise, you still them. The disciples knew that passage. And they saw this with their own eyes. Yet they were afraid. And Jesus had to confront their faith again. Do you still not see it? Do you, do you still not have the faith? Psalm 107, 29. He caused the storm to be still. So that the waves of the sea were hushed. When he got up in that boat and he rebuked the storm, it stopped. 
It didn't die down. It didn't dwindle out. It stopped. And it says the water was calm. He is control of he's in control of nature. Not only just spiritual things, but he commands the atoms that are spinning in this, this globe. He's commanding them to act in a certain way. If, if God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ were not involved in, in the universe, it would be chaos. We wouldn't be. But he keeps it balanced. And he keeps it together by the power of it's just his voice. He called it together at the beginning of creation. You know, I've, I've touched on it a few times. You can't make something out of nothing. <coughs> but he did. There was, there was nothing. And God created this globe out of nothing. That, that To get your head around that, I can't. How, how can it be nothing? And nothing isn't just black and dark. Nothing is nothing. There is no black dark. There's no light light. There's, it, nothing is void of anything. How do, you, how do you describe that in your head? I, I can't. The, the scouts used to ask those kind of questions all the time, and I, I don't know. Infinity? How do you describe that? It goes on and on and on and on and on. It went back and back and back and back and back. But you can't get beyond your thoughts. What joy it's going to be when we get to heaven. And we can say, Lord, explain how you got this universe out of nothing. He can see him sitting on a, on a seashore with bajillions of people throughout history that come to faith in him. We're all going to be in heaven. And he's going to be teaching us, sitting at the seashore, giving parables to us in heaven. I see it. I don't know how scriptural it might be, but I can see it. I, I know when I get there, I'm going to have questions. You have questions? I bet you do. We have, you know, you have something going on in your family. We've got it going on in our family, too. And it's questions. <coughs> is, is, is mom really in heaven? Is mom, am I going to actually see mom again? Am I going to actually be able to engage in conversation with mom again? Those are weighty, weighty questions. Especially when they come from family. You know? I'm going to see mom again. I'm going to see dad again. I'm going to see my lost, or not lost, my, my dead uncle or my, my, you know, cousin or something. I know I'm going to. And we can have that faith too. So the point of this passage is not that there was a storm and Jesus calmed it, but the point of this passage is that Jesus is God. The Yahweh of the Old Testament is made known through Jesus Christ the Son in this passage. And not only is the point of the passage, but there has to be a promise in this passage as well, and there is in this passage. The promise is not that all the storms in your life will end today. We all have storms in our life. We all have situations in our family. We all have situations around us. We have cancer. Cancer, it, it, maybe it won't be healed this week. That's the boat you're in. You're stuck in the boat with cancer. And it may not be healed this week. But who's in the boat with you with that cancer? Your marriage might have problems. And it may not heal this, this week or this month or this year. But who's in the boat with your marriage? Christ Jesus. Children. We might have children problems. I'm not talking about anybody in particular. And those children problems may not be solved this year. They may have been going on for years and years. But who's in the marriage or who's in the children's boat? Christ Jesus. 
You're going to be in that boat. You're going to go through the storm with kids or cancer or marriage or job or relationship issues. The same question is asked of you. Where's your faith? Who's in that boat with you? The same one that created this universe. If he created this universe, he's not going to let you fall out of the boat. As a believer, our confidence is not that these storms will end soon. But in the midst of the storms in your life, you will never, ever, ever be alone. Deuteronomy 31.6 Be strong and courageous and do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes out with you. He will not fail you and he will not forsake you. When you're in the boat, he's with you in the boat. And it's not just, it's not just a, a, a hope, it's a fact. He came from heaven to be in our boats daily. He went to the cross so that he could be with us in our boats and our troubles. So let's look at the text. There's some things I want to pull out from it. On that day, that very day, they did all those teachings, went out on the water, on the boat so he could do more teaching. He took the, the, the things that were around him, the sower we went through that for the past five or six weeks, painted spiritual pictures with uh, physical things, on that same day, when evening came, and we saw earlier in Mark, he was hungry. The crowds were on top of him. He could not eat. He was tired. And when evening came, at the end of that long day, he said to them, let's go over to the other side. This is the humanity of Jesus Christ. He was 100% man, 100% God, in theological terms, a hypostatic union. He's not 50% God, 50% man. He, he felt what we feel. The fear that these guys had, he felt that. The hunger that he saw around him, he felt that. When the crowds were pressing and he couldn't eat, he got hungry. Now, I, with me, when I get hungry, I get shaky. He was probably hungry and shaky. He said, I need to rest. The humanity of Jesus Christ in this text is powerful. He wanted to get over on the other side. Let's go over there and just, just let's go over there and get away. And he couldn't get away. Leaving that crowd, they, the disciples, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was. They didn't say, let's go back on the land, let's have a barbecue before we go, let's get some nourishment. They threw Jesus in the boat and said, let's go. Our master needs rest. Leaving that crowd, he took him along with them in the boat, and just as he was with the other boats, were with him. So now... The crowds couldn't swim across, but there were other boats that were following Jesus. He, he could see around him. There was not going to be any rest for him on this voyage. And what's powerful about that, too, is when we see this miracle, he didn't do this just to save the guys in the boat. He didn't do this just to save himself. He looked around and he saw, hey, there's other boats on this water. I need to save them as well. There's other boats in this water. There's other fish in the sea. There's other people in this community. There's other people in the greater Indio area. There's, there's people in this county, in this state, in this country, in this world that Jesus sees. And he didn't do it just to save this group of 12 guys. He looked out and he said, there's boats coming with me. i got to calm the sea. So leaving that crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And there arose... A fierce gale of wind. Written in proper biblical grammar. A fierce gale of wind. 
The original language here, there's three, three words. Megas. Mega, the Greek word. This was a, a mega storm. We get the, our word in English from this mega. The other one was hurricane. There was a mega hurricane squall that came down on this boat. And the other one was major wind. So we have a picture now of Jesus out on the water and the geography of the place. It's like when I lived in Rancho Cucamonga. We have these Santa Ana winds. Terrible. And then all that high pressure in the desert comes up over the mountains and down and pushes. We're there for the fire. And I remember you could feel the sparks and the heat coming off the mountain. It's just wicked. That's what's going on here. There's a sharp decline in the hills. And all that inland high pressure was coming down and pushing down just like the sand islands that we have. And it was a mega hurricane squall of water out there on the boat. This wasn't just a passing thunderstorm. This was a big problem. Arose a fierce gale of wind. And the waves were breaking over the boat. So much so that the boat was already filling up with water. These guys are fishermen. Right? They're not doctors and lawyers and, and theologians. These guys are fishermen. And when they saw the squall, this mega hurricane on the boats, they knew they got a problem. They've lost a lot of friends, I'm sure, over the years getting caught in these things and Christ wasn't in the boat with them. They, they, they were on the verge of going off the precipice. They thought, this is the end for us. The analogy there with the problems that we have in life. We, you know, they come along and we think, man, this boat is full. I can't, it, it can't take another drop of water. That's what these guys were. They were feeling this. This was not just a theoretical thing. This was physical. They could see that they were about to sink. Professional. So they see this fierce gale of wind and the waves were breaking over the boat and much of the boat was already filling up. And what do they do? The fishermen call a carpenter. They didn't rally together and say, us 12 or 4 or 5 fishermen, we better figure this out. Let's wake the carpenter. What's he know about this? Did that ever jump out? That jumped off the page to me. A fisherman waking up a carpenter to save him from sinking. So Jesus himself, he was at the stern. And in the original, at the stern sleep, the, the stern was where they put a guest, if you will. Someone that didn't know how to drive the boat, they were just on there to get from point A to point B. You sit up there out of our way on this cushion that's at the front of the boat, and we'll do the, we'll do the steering and the owing and all what the fishermen do. That's where he was. And the humanity of our Christ, our Jesus, he laid his head down on that leather pillow and he went to sleep. You think he felt that storm rocking about? He's not a fisherman. He's Garper. I can imagine, I'm a textbook guy, and if I went on a boat and it was going up and down like this and I'm not a fisherman, I'd probably I'd be on the verge of not being asleep. I think my head would be not on the pillow, but over the edge. Right? He lays down. And he goes to sleep. I thought back about that passage a few weeks ago with the, with the sower. All we have to do is we sow, we go out and we rest. Rest in the boat. Don't worry about the water. Don't worry about rowing. Cast the seed, lay your head down, go to sleep. That's the example of Christ here. Jesus himself was at the stern. He was asleep on the cushions. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Do you? That, that's, that's crazy. They've been with him now for a year and a half up to this point. 
They've been seeing the miracles. They've been seeing all that's going on. They could see that the, the, the folks were chasing them out of town. They saw all this. They're in the boat. And they think this is the end of it? Do you not care, do you not care about us? <clears throat> Nonetheless about us, what about you? You don't care about you? A few points here. You might want to want write these ones down. You don't care about us. Okay. We as Christians... Although none of us were holy enough that we wouldn't say that, right? So I'll take the example. I'll be the example. Lord Jesus, I don't think I trust you on this one. Lord Jesus, I, I, I don't think that you're involved in this one. Or, Lord Jesus, let me get out ahead of you. I'll take care of business, and when I'm in a, in a pickle, I'll call you in. Any of us done that? I have. Do you not care? One. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost, Luke 19.10. Does he not care? He came from heaven to seek the lost. He absolutely cares. Matthew says the same thing in 18.11. And then in Matthew 20.28, 20, he came to give his life a ransom. Do you not care? I came from heaven for you to give my life a ransom for many. Turn to me, those that are lost. Cast your gaze upon me, those that are lost. Seek me now while you can. What do you, you mean? Don't you care? He came that might that men might have life and life more abundantly. John ten ten says that. First Timothy, one fifteen. He came to save sinners. Do you not care? I came to save sinners. That's us. Of course he cares. Hebrews 9.26 He came to put away sin. Now once at the consumption of this age he has been manifest to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. What do you mean he doesn't care? He sacrificed himself on the cross for us. You're not in the boat alone. He loves you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But that does not mean as believers we don't have to go through those storms of life. We do go through those storms. Some are little storms. Some are big storms. Some you might look at your neighbor and say, that's nothing compared to my storm. That's a storm. And he's in the boat. I've beaten that, that drum today because he's in the boat with us. Don't fear that. Fear the storm. You might be like the carpenters nothing about fishing and rowing boats. That's a scary place to be. Think about the situation you're in. He's in the boat. Just don't forget that part. So he was stern, asleep on the cushion, and he woke. they woke him and they said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Verse 39. This is me. And he got up. Jesus was asleep. They wake him up. He says, Don't you care about us? He got up and he rebuked the wind. That rebuke is reprove or chide or, or reprimand or enjoin. He got up and he didn't just say, wind, be gone with you. Or in the King James, it might be hither with beyond you. You know, some gentle, kind word. He rebuked it. And that's, a, that's not, a, he, a rebuke is not a word that he said. He didn't say, I rebuke you. This is the writing of Mark. And he saw the, or they saw what was going on and they saw his action of rebuking. Waking from a sound sleep. Get up. 
And he says to the wind, Hush, be still. You know, you could read that, Hush, be still. That's not what happened. Hush, in the original. Be quiet, shut up. So he gets up, his, an action, rebuking, and he tells the wind to hush up, shut up, be muzzled, is what it is. He didn't say, oh, be calm now, storm. Hither with. He rebuked it, and he made it known that the Yahweh of the Old Testament, as Christ the Messiah of the New, has control over the universe, and he tells the wind to shut up, and it does. And it doesn't say that it slowly calmed down, and four or five hours later, the sea was glassy. It calmed down. It stopped. That action was done. Hush, be still, and the wind died down now, and it became perfectly calm. You don't know when you're in that boat and you're in that storm in life when, he, when he's going to rebuke whatever that is that's attacking the boat and it's going to happen like that and it's going to be calm. And you're going to look around and say, what happened? What happened? That storm has passed. Sail on on the calm seas. But don't get arrogant and cocky because we are not promised smooth sailing our whole lives. And some of us have long, been here in this planet longer than others. And you can be a testament to this. You've probably seen a lot of things in your, your days. As we get older and we look back and we look forward, we think, okay, it's all behind me now. It's smooth sailing from here to glory. We know that's not true. That's why I'm going to Phoenix for that class, for the, the, the cancer thing. In our demographic, our age as we get older, in fact, I yesterday just at the table talking with people, uh, we met a pastor, uh, 80, 83, 80, 84, and uh, great conversation with him. And he, it, it stuck in my mind, he says, you know, I'm, I'm going out to the store to buy more uh, cards for sorrow than I am for weddings or baptisms or births. It's, it's part of the life cycle. He will not leave you in those days. He will not forsake you in this season that we're in in our lives. We, we call it our second half. He will be with us through all of it. So he gets up and he, he rebukes it and he says, Shut up, be quiet, be still, muzzle it. Original language. And then it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Think about that. Why are you in this boat with me afraid? You've seen everything. You've seen what I've done. You know I, what I've come to do. I'm in the boat with you. Now, I don't want to go this way because I have a plan. I know where I'm going to be in a year and a half. I know that I'm headed to Golgotha. I'm not going to be drowned. Do you not have faith? Have you not heard some of these things I've said over the last year and a half? touch on faith here. What faith is and what faith is not. Faith is not confidence that the trials won't come our way. That's not faith. Faith is confidence that no matter what wind or waves come your way in this world, the God of the universe will be right there with you in your boat. 
If you take nothing else away from this message today, remember just in your boat. When the troubles come, Mike said something about in the boat. He'll be there. That's the key word I want you to take away from this. His power will see you through the waves crashing. His presence will see you through the waves crashing. You are not alone. You are safe in the presence of the one who has authority over the waves pressing you on you. And when he says, be still and be calm, that will happen. He said to them, why are you afraid? He says to me, why am I afraid? He says to you, why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? And he's not condescending to what he's saying. He's saying, you've seen what's happened in your life. You've seen what's happened this short time with me on this year and a half journey we've been on. And they became very much afraid. <laughs> they, they were afraid when they saw the waves coming over the boat. Jesus rebuked it, says, muzzle it. Original Greek, muzzle it. And now they're afraid. They were scared to death when the waves were crashing, but now it's calm. What are they afraid of now? And they said to one another, who is this then? We're standing in the presence of God. We're standing in the presence of Christ the Messiah. That's what they were afraid of. And even the wind and the sea obey Him. If the wind and the sea obey Him, hadn't we better obey Him? When He says, trust me, lean in on me, press in on me, shouldn't we see that and be very much afraid when we don't? Again, me. I, I am afraid when I'm in situations like that and I don't see him. I, this is convicting. They became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this? The same question for all of us. Who do you say that he is? When those waves come a-crashing, he is the Messiah, he is the Lord Jesus Christ, sent from heaven for a purpose to save us. Save us with our eternal security and salvation and trust in Christ that we know we'll get to heaven. He's got that. But also the security of believers here on the earth when there's a lot of stuff going on in our lives. We need to trust Him with that too. Not just our eternal being, not just where we're going to end up in, you know, when we leave this earth, but now, here and now, to live a life full for Him. To live a, a, a bold witness for Him. And when you don't know what to say... He'll be in that boat too. Yesterday, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it with this, but when one of the scary things, it's easy to stand up here and present a sermon, right? Because you guys are all polite, you know, and, and you're not talking back and asking you know, tough questions like the little scouts used to do. And I have ground to stand on too because when they called him teacher, they called him didache. And that's where we get didactic. I get to do the talking. That's easy. <clears throat> scary part is you stand in a booth, in a room with 200 people, and the very first lady that comes up to you says, I'm a liberal. That's what she said to me. She, and as the Lord would do, our booth was right across the street here from Bernie Sanders' booth. And she was at the Bernie Sanders' booth. And she says, I, a real pleasant lady comes over and says, I'm a liberal. And I thought, oh, Lord, again. <laughs> because when I, I, I did a ministry down at the beach, the very first Sunday I was down there, that was about eight years ago, two seconds before I was supposed to go up and start the service, this gentleman walks up to me and he had on his... It's just his bathing suit bottom, no shirt, coffee mug in one hand. He said, whose cock- whose damn cock is this, is what he said. 
And I said, well, sir, that's ours. You're welcome to a cup. And uh, you know, I don't get too offended by things like that. So have a cup. And he says, why do you hate Jews and fags or gays or some derogatory term? I said, well, I've got to get, get up on stage and you're asking me, why do I hate gays and why do I hate Jews? I, I, I don't. And I had to go up. And so when I saw that lady coming and she opened her mouth and said, I'm a liberal. I thought, oh, Lord, don't do it to me again today. <coughs> but she was very pleasant. We had a great conversation. I didn't have words of wisdom for her. But the Holy Spirit directed the conversation with a liberal. <laughs> right? Don't be afraid of them. Embrace them. Like I said a few weeks ago, don't be afraid of the gay community. Embrace them. Show them the love of Jesus Christ. In a, not in a church environment. In a club meeting. And there was a lot of people that came up, and you could tell there was a little edginess. Thanks, but no thanks. The guy wanted a pen. And Martin said, you can have a pen. And everybody came up, he gave him a card, and said, join us next Sunday. The guy, no, I don't want to waste your money on the card. I won't come anywhere, but I'll take the pen. Lord bless you, take the pen. He made me sit at home one day, and I looked down at that pen, and he said, those guys were pretty nice to me that day. I think I'll, I'll venture down there. And I could tell by the conversation, he didn't know who Christ was. I want him here. I, I would like this place packed with people that are liberals, that don't know who Christ is, that don't care about the spiritual things, that have questions that Martin can answer. I want them here. And that should be our, our prayer as a church, that we, this little band, can reach into this community and invite all. They don't have to wear shirt and ties. You know, they, don't have to, they don't have to dress up all fancy. They just need to get here. Like the, the guy from the pool that came here one day, still wet. He sat in. Watch them practice in tears. Those are the ones we want in here. It'd be nice to have you know a full room of Christians, but that's not our that's not our job. Our job is to get those that are disenfranchised, those that are hurting, those that don't have a, a, a fellowship of believers to be hanging with. So when you look around your neighbors and you see any of those types, remember that's the ones Mike wants you to get over here. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for all that you've done for us. Primarily, Lord, our salvation. That you came down from heaven. That you went to the cross willingly, Lord, for folks like us. Lord, we know that we all have storms. And Lord, that we know that you will be in the boat with us. Give us that reassurance, Lord, when we're feeling pressed in from all sides, when we don't know what's happening, when we don't understand the situations we're dealt with that we can look back and rest and lean on you, Lord, that we know that you will never leave us nor forsake us. We love you, and it's in your precious name I pray. Amen.